Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today it's my pleasure to welcome Mark Nyfeld. He is the commissioner and CEO of Sport Fishing League. He has an incredible career working events for the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Georgia Dome, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Texas Rangers. He's going to walk us through working through those amazing organizations and then going off on his entrepreneurial journey. Let's talk to Mark. Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the DLC Drop Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today is my pleasure to welcome Mark Neifeld. He is currently the commissioner and CEO of Sport Fishing Championship. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me, John. Good to see you, buddy. Yeah, how how long has it been since we've known each other? I want to say, are we at the five-year mark yet? Yeah, we're probably at the five-year mark. So we're right about there. Yeah, so first of all, tell us all about, give us that elevator pitch. Help us understand what is the Sports Fishing Championship, and then let's dive in from there. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Sport Fishing Championship is the largest saltwater fishing championship series in North America. We're in our inaugural season right now. It debuted the last week of April. Basically from the third week of April through the third week of August, we run a championship that uh, includes 11 tournaments all across North America. Um, five in the Gulf of Mexico, we have four on the Atlantic seaboard, and then two down in the Caribbean. So ultimately at the end of the year, what we're doing for the first time is awarding a champion for offshore fishing, which is bill fishing. Blue marlin, white marlin, sailfish, spearfish, wow. swordfish, and and yeah, you know, first time, first time we're doing that for this sport. How far out into the water are you going? Well, there's there's me, and I don't go out in the water very far. <laughs> <laughs> How far do the to do the competitors? The competitors, stuff? yeah, um, yeah, they go. You know, this week in in Mississippi, they might go as far out. They'll probably start fishing sixty miles out. Then they'll start, I, some of the teams will go as far as 200, 220 miles. It's all about fishing canyons and structure in the Gulf of Mexico. And that's what's fascinating about the sport is that there are a lot of games within the game. Mm-hmm. But in the Gulf of Mexico, fishing is predominantly, you know, fishing, fishing the different canyons and structure. The Mississippi boats will go down to the Louisiana canyons, Green Canyon, and then some of them will go fish oil rigs. The oil rigs start about 70 miles out, but they'll go about... 200 miles out into the ocean. That's super interesting. And I think most of the people who are listening to this episode have watched those, you know, those freshwater fishing championships. You've seen those guys jump into those boats with the super high powered motors and then just race as fast as they can to get to that spot they have in mind. But, and I am a, you know, complete novice when it comes to this. So I'm so interested in what you've developed here. But, you know, freshwater is pretty controlled, right? Because you got, all sides of the water are encompassed by a lake. You can only go so far. There's probably time limits, et cetera. How is that different? How do you manage those very different uncontrolled nuances with saltwater fishing? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, one of the things that is challenging for us is that our arena, the ocean, you know, it changes, you know, day to day, hour by hour. So, you know, where the pelagic fish are going, um, that also changes when they're, when they're feeding, when they come up to the surface. And so, yeah, you know, from a management standpoint, look, I mean, what we're doing is extremely difficult. We have cameras on boats that 
might be 200 miles off um, off the coast from you know where where the tournament is taking place, but then they spread out. The tournament right. this week will have probably about 90 boats. Last I heard, they'll have about 92 boats registered. We'll have cameras on 10 of them. Then we have chase boats. We can deploy drones from the chase boats. But uh, you got to remember that even though they might be fishing the same canyon, they might be 50 miles apart. Um, wow. So we send boats out. They're constantly, you know, collecting camera cards, bringing them back to Venice, Louisiana, which is one of the southernmost tips of, of the Gulf, you know, the northern Gulf Coast. And then we get them back there and they upload. And we do this on live television. So, you know, historically fishing is a, <laughs> you know, a packaged a packaged show. Yeah. Um, that's not us. You know, our, the first the first word is for fishing championship is sport. We wholeheartedly believe that sports are live and time and context is important. And so when we deliver a live show on CBS Sports on Saturday, we're, we're streaming on sportfishingchampionship.com Thursday, Friday, and Saturday afternoon. That live component is very important. People want to know what's happening in the tournament in real time. Yeah. Um, so um, it, could, it, it could even be, you know, if we don't have a camera on board, they're radioing in, hey, we're hooked up to a blue marlin. If we have a chase boat nearby, we're going to try to get it over there, launch a drone, get the footage. But if not, um, our fans are becoming very accustomed to our jingle that we have that it's, it's a catch alert mm. um, almost like the like the nfl draft when a player is selected so yeah you know, jingle and you know my, my head whips over the tv and you see that you know one of the teams you know is, is hooked up to a blue or another species well that's not pretty impressive <laughs> it's not easy the dlc drop podcast is sponsored by ice shaker I've been a huge fan of this brand for the past few years, ever since I met founder Chris Gronkowski. What I love about this product is the brand story, the functionality, and the customization. iShaker is a Shark Tank company invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez, owned by NFL players Rob Gronkowski and Chris Gronkowski. I love using my iShaker anytime I'm driving to the podcast studio, I'm going skateboarding, or I'm at the gym. No matter what I'm doing, it just does a great job of keeping my drinks hot or cold. The customization for iShaker is something that's super unique. You can get any name, just about any logo engraved onto your iShaker and delivered to you within just three to five business days. Get your own DLC drop branded iShaker at iShaker.com forward slash DLC drop. Save 20% on all ice shaker products with the discount code DLC drop. Yeah, it sounded like it was a little too simple to organize. So you had to live that live broadcasting component to it just to make sure you have a challenge. Oh, and I mean, credit to our on water production team because, you know, we joke, my nickname on, on tour is the Fish Commish. Um, so. <laughs> If I refer to myself in the third person as the fish commission, it's just uh, it's a it's a running thing within the SFC. But, uh, <laughs> That's amazing. But credit to our camera guys because you know they always say the fish commission isn't going off offshore. These guys are out there 16, 18 hours on the water, taking the chop in the sun, and they're they're looking through a lens the entire time because you yeah. never know when that, that fish hits and. You know, it can run with it or it can get off. And I mean, it is a taxing profession to say the least, but we've got the best guys in the business and the camaraderie when they get back on shore and, and the stories that they're telling, it's, it's so, it's so great. The, you know, the energy is just, it's amazing. I mean, worse jobs to have than to 
be on a boat out in that beautiful weather all day. I'm sure. How much do you see sick? There's a wrinkle. Yeah. So I'm curious, people who are listening to this, they're thinking, wow, this is probably very complicated. This is very ambitious. And one of the things that I love sharing is helping to understand how somebody came from their origin to where they are today. And a lot of times where you maybe that first stop to today, it's not a straight line, but I know a little bit of your story so I can kind of see how this is shaped all the way to taking on this incredible task that you're, that you're crushing today. Why don't you help us understand how did this start for you and give us, help us weave that web of how you got here today. Yeah. So I grew up in Sarasota, Florida, and I'm going to come back to that because it's pretty important for the story of the sport fishing championship. But I grew up in Sarasota, Florida. Um, and uh, after graduating at Florida State, I went to work for the back-to-back Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. There you go. So, Give him a shout out. Uh, I'm hoping that in a couple of weeks we can say back-to-back-to-back. Um, the birthplace of hockey, arguably, Florida. Yeah, <laughs> But I mean, I loved working there. I only worked there for a little bit over a year, started an internship with them in corporate communications and was really doing uh, event marketing. And that was during the recession, you know, the 07, 09 recession. So there weren't very many jobs out there. I was happy to work for free for a team that I grew up cheering for. And, you know, what was happening in that period of time as well was the launch of social media. So, you know, we were kind of, we were one of the organizations really on the front end of developing social media and digital media strategies. And you got to remember back at that time, major corporations, Walmart didn't have a Facebook page. I'm going to, yeah. you know, I have been out there, but so anyway, we were, you know, it was exhilarating. It was fun. I was a young guy, fresh out of college working for, you know, a team that I loved and I love working for the organization. It's a fantastic organization. I was happy to actually see that the sports business journal recognized them a week or two ago in the SPJ awards is, Sports Organization of the Year. So cool. just a tremendous group of people that work there. But I always had a passion to work in the National Football League. And so I was given the opportunity to go and work for the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. And so I left the Tampa Bay Lightning and I worked for the Georgia Dome four seasons with the Dome, running Atlanta Falcons uh, home games. So I say running, I was an event coordinator. So I was really running around working for the people that ran the games. Yeah. Uh, but uh but it was a, you know, I loved working in Atlanta again. I just had the privilege of working for just such tremendous organizations that um, gave me opportunities when, you know, maybe they, they hadn't been earned yet, but gave me the opportunity to go out and prove myself or fail. But I, you know, I was working for the Georgia Dome and I was the kind of, the kind of pinnacle of my early career was serving as the event manager for the 2013 75th anniversary of the NCAA Final Four. Wow. That picture right there. And I think that's, that's one of the game balls. Really? Um, that's a cool yeah. thing. Yeah. So, you know, it was a, it was a big opportunity. You know, we, we used to call the event manager the quarterback. You know, in this case, I guess I was the point guard. For the 75th anniversary, we had, you know, we had we had more events going on than we typically did. We did the Division Two and Division Three basketball championships across the street. Of, I believe it's now State Farm Arena. Um, where the Atlanta Hawks play, um, you know, the convention center was completely full with, um, with activities. And then we had in Central Olympic park, um, we had the music festival. So everything was right there in our campus. I kind of served as the main point of contact between the NCAA and, and all of our, 
internal departments on the campus. And anyway, it's just a feather in the cap in my career. And, you know, I loved working on championship sports. I, I was fortunate uh, during my time there also working on the SEC football championship and WWE WrestleMania and lots of wow. you know, soccer matches and Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl and the Chick-fil-A kickoff games. And so, you know, in Atlanta, we just had such a great you know, roster of, of events that would come through that facility. Got poached at Dallas Cowboys. We were actually building Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We were coming out of the ground, and I was given the opportunity to come work for the Dallas Cowboys organization. And so the Final Four was 2013, and in 2015, I came out. The main goal was to basically serve as the, in, the same, in the same role as I did with the Final Four for the inaugural college football playoff national championship. Mm. Uh, so I came out in 2014. Our game was in 2015, January of 2015. Um, and that was the first CFP and I was with the Cowboys for a number of years. Again, just another world-class organization, you know, yep. Jones does everything in my opinion, the right way. I, I will say this, you know, I've always been an aspiring entrepreneur and uh, having the opportunity to go and work inside of a Jones family organization. Yeah. You know, I was, I'm a, I was a sponge. I still am a sponge, but I, I was a sponge at that point trying to learn <laughs> possibly could, given the opportunity that I had. From there, I went on. I was a vice president for the Texas Rangers and the new ballpark project. We just have Love Life Field. And I think at that point, you know, I, I had really kind of reached the point where, you know, I wanted to go begin my entrepreneurial journey. Even, uh, so quick, I, quick question ahead. on that. Was there, was there something that was really the catalyst or the moment where you said, I'm ready to do this or this kind of a slow build inside of you where you kind of said, well, I think I've learned everything I can from other people. Let me see what I can do. On my of, own. It was a little bit of both. It was a little bit of both. Yeah. And I think you and I probably had this conversation a couple of years ago um, when, when you started your journey, but uh, there was somebody uh, that, you know, I, I dearly respect and had the opportunity to work with in my life um, who said to me, you know, Mark, you're an entrepreneur. Um, somebody else called me a wild horse. <laughs> and they said, you know, you really just don't, you don't need to be in these big organizations. You need to go, you know, go do what you do and go be free, go be creative and, 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 uh, and go take the leap. The time is now. No one's, you know, I, I was about to say, nobody ever tells you when it's time to be an entrepreneur. I mean, sure. I, I've always, I, I think I'd like to say like, I've always been an entrepreneur. It's just who I am. And there's a big part of me that feels like that's why I'm on this planet is to, like, I just, I love what I do and whether it's working on fishing or whether it's working on, you know, other projects, I own other businesses or, or, you know, mentoring other young entrepreneurs. I just, I love it. I think that that's one of the best parts of America and capitalism and job creation and, and, and all of that. But no, to answer your question, you know, somebody, somebody approached me and said, Mark, this is, no one's ever going to tell you that today's today. And so I went and I took the leap and I started complex sports and entertainment. We had a great three-year ride, and then, unfortunately, when COVID happened, our business was bringing people together on college campuses. I can tell you that's one of the worst jobs you can have during a global <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> so the facilities that we had, we had worked for years to get the event booking rights, and we were uh, developing yeah. sports properties to bring people together. That all of it, you know, I forget what day it was in March of 2020, but. The 14th, I could tell you, because <laughs> I had the greatest trip to Florida ever planned. Week in Miami with the Miami Misfits homestand. 
business meetings in Orlando. Canceled it all the day before. It all went yeah. down. Yeah. I remember, I remember somebody <laughs> calling me, and I won't say who it was, but uh, we had a property that we we owned and managed called Monster Hydro Stadium Blitz. It was with Rob Gronkowski and the Gronkowski brothers were were partners in it. And we were on stop three or four on the tour. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we had really just kind of started to pick up speed. And keep in mind, you know, that's a property that took about a year to develop already. So we already put on a lot of time, energy, effort, and resources into the development of the property. And somebody called me and said, hey, uh, it was one of the stops on tour. They said, we need you to cancel your event. Keep in mind, this is like the stop on tour that we had sold more registrations than probably the three previous combined. Right. So I'm sitting there going, well, you know, it, why are we doing this? You know, well, you know, we're, we're making some tough decisions. And you got to remember, this is before everything that happened in March of 2020. You know, COVID-19 was still something that was in China to a lot of us. And so I remember making the comment, hey, you know, if we cancel our, if we cancel this event, Opening day will have already happened. The NCAA Final Four will have already happened. You will have already had your spring game. The Masters will have already happened. Yeah. You know, so why am I canceling an event at the end of April? And, you know, we didn't have the information at the time. And so ultimately we ended up canceling it. And it just, it, it was obviously the right decision for a number of reasons. But I just remember, you know, that day, I mean, that was really like the, that, that was the day that it really just felt like the world had changed. That particularly in sports and entertainment, the world stopped. Yeah. So, yeah. At the time, I was full time for PRG, the world's largest entertainment production company. So, boy, it was pretty crazy seeing close up. You know, the company that puts on more events than anyone in the world have ninety percent of their business stop immediately, which is a pretty rough one. Well, I I really appreciate you walking me through this career path, the lightning the Georgia Dome, the Cowboys, the Rangers, then your own company with Complex, and then obviously Sport Fishing Championship. A couple of questions I have. One is how... So you had worked for all these big corporations, right? And then you start your own. How is it different running your own than working for these others, even if they empowered you greatly? I mean, it's apples and oranges. It's hard to even explain how. I mean... You know, with complex or you know, sport fishing championship, there's no roadmap. You know, there's there's no there's no senior level person to tell you how to do your job. You have to find people that believe in you and will invest in you. And that could be you know through partnerships. That could be through you know opportunities. But no, no one's ever going to sit down and teach you. At least not in my experience. No one's ever going to sit down and teach you a how to be an entrepreneur and b how to launch a business. Yeah. Some people will coach you on those things, but nobody's going to sit down and tell you, you know, everything that you need to know how to run a, a, a big business. And again, there's a lot of great mentors out there. There's a lot of great, you know, books and people spend a lot of time. But when the rubber hits the road and the work has to get done, it comes down to to the individual. I can't say that it's that, you know, that you don't do that working for a big organization like the Dallas Cowboys. You don't. I, I mean... You know, you ultimately have to do your, your job. You have to do it well. You have to earn the respect of your peers and the people that work, you know, with you, whether they're your clients or people within the organization. But you have a, you have a role. When you are the founder, you know, and CEO of a startup, your role is everything. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, I was joking this morning. I was on a call with, 
with one of the stakeholders in SFC. And we've raised millions of dollars. We've raised another couple million in sponsorship. And still last Saturday, I was doing graphic design for sport fishing championships. So, <laughs> right. You know, and, and that's, that's probably a little bit of me as well. Like I, I still enjoy it. Some of it's therapeutic, you know, a sure. lot of this from, from me, you know, and my passion in branding and you know, integrated brand marketing and areas of business like that. But uh, yeah, you know, you, <laughs> you, I don't know at what point you ever stop bootstrapping things like, yeah, you know, so that, that's, that's where we're at. I, I joke also, I mean, the first, you know, and I'm proud to say it, like the first uh, sport fishing championship event that we had live on CBS sports, I mean, we've made a tremendous impact to the grand out community that we were in. And it was a, it was, you know, a wild success every way you look at it. But I was, I, I drove a U-Haul from Texas to Louisiana. Right. Uh, just, you know, because somebody had to do it. So. Well, it's yeah. kind of, yeah, all hands on deck and most of the hands are yours. I think there's a big positive and negative in being an entrepreneur and it, they are both that you are in charge. <laughs> it's like, awesome. I can do whatever I want. And then, oh, this all falls on me, you know, like the buck stops here sort of a thing. Yeah, no, totally. And, and, you know, I think the one thing that being an entrepreneur, like you're never off, you're never not working. Um, and I, I own another business down in Florida, I own a book club that we started and we built all the technology back end and stuff like that. It's, that business is doing very well as well. But, you know, that's nights and, or I'm sorry, that's not nice. That's weekends and holidays. So that book business is always running and I've got a great general manager that runs the business and great business partners in it. But again, you're, ne- you're never off, but that's okay. I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. I, I love it. You know, it's just something that I, I enjoy so much and seeing, you know, the little seeds that you, that you plant and watch them, watch them grow and, you know, kind of, you know, navigate every step of the way to try to build a great business. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a great reason for your success is, is that mindset. I have a question for you regarding the Dallas Cowboys, and then I want to get a little bit into, you know, disrupting industries and, and these subcultures, the parallels with esports and other things. Having worked, you worked for a lot of different amazing organizations, professional sports teams, of course, but the Dallas Cowboys uniquely are the most valuable sports franchise in the world when you factor in all sports, which is pretty incredible. What was one of the the top or top two, three things that you took away working closely with the Jones family that you said, this is special, this is unique. I want to replicate doing this in my business. Yeah, another great question. I just, I, I just really appreciated working for an entrepreneur like Jerry and the way that he builds value for his business, the value that he, he put, he puts on the star and, and everything that goes, that goes into protecting that star and protecting the brand and protecting the identity of the Dallas Cowboys and what that means. You know, there is a day that you put that star on as an employee and it means something that's just, it's just a little different. Um, yeah. So like any other, you know, business that I have, and you know, we try to do the same thing every day with the sport fishing championship with our trophies. That if you wear that, you know, you're representing everything with sport fishing championship and 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 our guests and our our anglers and you know partners. But the things I took away working for the Cowboys, I mean, they just I was I summarize things like they do it the right way. They put the the appropriate amount of time and energy, effort, focus, the resources into 
being able to do your job as well as you possibly can do it. Yep. And, you know, Jerry and Dallas Cowboys being a, a private business and, and a family owned business, they, they truly want their employees. I, I'll even say the players on the field, the trainers off the field, the coaches, staffs, everybody in the organization, you feel like you have the attention and the resources to do your job at the highest level. And if you don't, wow. they'll listen to you. If you said, I need X. In fact, that happened to me when I got hired. Will Hunter is a really good friend of mine. Will is vice president of operations for Pac-12. And he was in my, he was in my role before me. When I got hired, I came in and I said, hey, Jeff Stroud was the general manager at the time. And I said, Jeff, I need, to, I need two more staff. He said, okay, we got two more staff. So we hired two more, we hired two event coordinators. About a year later, I said, Jeff, I need two more staff. What are they going to do for you? And I, you know, had the job descriptions written all out. We got it. And so Will and I are still really, really good friends to this day. And uh, Will uh, laughed because he's like, you know, when I opened that stadium, I was doing the same number of events that you were doing. And it was just one Will Hunter. And I, you know, I look at you and you've got five of you now. <laughs> but, wow. But I think that that just, that, you know, goes back to your question is that, you know, it really showed that they're committed to improving every step of the way mm. that they build. You know, at the time, and probably maybe a little biased, but still is the best facility in the country, uh, sports facility, multi-purpose facility, I would say, in the country. And that, you know, you don't just go out and you're perfect on day one. They want to make sure that, that every day, everywhere in the organization is just getting a little bit better. And that's what I take away because I say that all the time, whether it's to our investors or our staff or our TV production teams or on-air, whatever it is, you know, 1% better. That's all I ask every day. Just get 1% better every day. And if you can do that, you go back and you look 100 days later and, and look how far you've come. And, and we're at a point right now, we're halfway through our sport fishing championship in our season. And every, everybody's asking me, and we're already planning 2023 and 2024. And a lot of people are asking me, you know, how, how do you feel? And my response back is, well, everybody around us is very happy. And, and we're getting a little better every day. And that's yeah. all I can ask as a, as a, you know, startup CEO right now is that, you know, we're getting a little bit better every day. That's incredible. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to how well a team will work when they know that the organization is behind them, when they don't feel like they're penny pinching. Of course, that has to, when you're the owner, that comes from both sides, you need to manage your budgets and things of that nature. But if I'm working for somebody and I feel like they are doing their best to help me succeed and now I have the best chance to do my best work, that's really inspiring and results in success. And it's that mindset of investment for an ROI, right? Not just kind of managing scared, if you will. Yeah, an employee that feels invested in, I feel like it's going to work a little bit harder, give you a little bit more of their attention. And yep. because they... They, you know, in, in all sense of the word, they feel invested and they want to, they want to make that same investment into, into their job because they care. So. Right. There's a lot of validation there. And I think people respond to validation in many ways. One of those ways is 
subcultures who uh, have brands and companies come in and support what they're doing. This morning, you and I were talking on the phone and we were talking about some of the different parallels of the esports subculture that I work in every day and this subculture that you have broken into with saltwater fishing. One of the things that is most impressive to me about what you're doing is not just the complicated logistics and how ambitious it is, but this is the first time the saltwater fishing or sport fishing industry has seen something like this. Is that right? Yeah, definitely at this scale on the on the saltwater side. Yeah. I mentioned to you, I was going to come back to Sarasota, Florida, when we were talking about it earlier. Yeah. I, basically, in that COVID year, I, I went back to my roots. And I was, you know, it really was, what makes me happy? You know, if, if you can build a business around what makes you happy, then I don't, I'm not sure if you ever work a day in your life. And so, you know, talking... I, I go back to the community that I grew up in and that I'm, I'm passionate about, and it was saltwater fishing. And uh, I hadn't been a part of the community for a while. I'd, I'd been you know, in Atlanta and Dallas, and I still live in Dallas. So saltwater fishing isn't something that I get the opportunity to do every day, although I love it. But it felt to me that that community that was very near and dear to my heart was underserved. Hmm. Um, and that what was out there in, in, in the marketplace when we talk about, you know, competitive, you know, championship angling was really on the freshwater side. Right. Uh, and for a guy that grew up in Sarasota, Florida, who, do, who doesn't bass fish, don't have a tremendous amount of respect for people that, you know, fish competitively, bass fishing or any, any other type of fishing. Uh, but, you know, for me, there wasn't really that connection. Sure. Um, because that's just not part of my DNA, the fabric of, you know, me growing up is being out on the boat on the salt water every day, you know, fishing the Tampa Bay and Sarasota Bay. Right. And so I really feel like a big part of what we're doing. I, I don't even feel I know. You know, I talk to people every single day. A big part of what we're doing is satisfying a lot of people like myself that are, you know, inshore, offshore saltwater anglers that, you know, feel like there's been this, I don't, you know, there's just this hole in the marketplace right now. And we're coming in and, and we're, you know, we're, we're providing something for them. Yeah, I, I love that point about building a, bis- a business around what makes you happy. And then also around not really being able to resonate directly with the, the freshwater. Where that takes me is, this is a great key for entrepreneurs to say, what is my entry point, right? And so it's like, first of all, okay, what makes me happy? What do I do? What do I enjoy doing? Even if I wasn't get, getting paid for it. But for you, in this instance, you're so integrated in this saltwater fishing lifestyle growing up that you're the perfect person to support this under-supported group because you've lived and breathed it. You understand those cultural nuances. And when you're coming into the space, you're coming in a way that they respond to because you're you're them, right? You're all part of the same community. Well, I'm gonna make, I'll make my first, you know... Esports person here, but you know between yeah you know between the different segments of fishing, inshore fishing might be Call of Duty and offshore might be Fortnite. And to the outsider, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. But unless you get in and you really understand, you know, the differences between the two games, that's what you know in competitive angling. That's what they are. We're playing a game. You know, it's 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 very 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 different to the competitor. So. I, I say that because for me to come in and I'm, I'm an inshore guy and we're running offshore mm-hmm. uh, right now, it's very different. But what do you do 
we get the best people together. We get the anglers, we get the tournament directors, we get the, the brands, we get the media, we get people that have worked in this industry for a long time and get them to collaborate. Mm. And I think that that's really what has and is going to continue to set the sport fishing championship apart from, from others is that, you know, it's really a big collaborative effort from a lot of different stakeholders of the industry that just want to see this succeed. Yeah. And, uh, and that we're all very invested in making sure that I would say, somebody asked me last week, I said, what business are you? And I said, we're in the business of creating a legacy championship for saltwater fishing. He yeah. goes, well, you're in the medium sponsorship business. I go, yeah, that's what we do day to day. But the business that we're in is creating a legacy championship. So uh, at any rate, you know, yeah, again, there's those different nuances that are unique to the individual communities. And, you know, there's no, there's no way to come in and just, you know, I told you this on the phone earlier today, there's not the top down approach. You have to work with people in the industry right. to really get that buy-in and do it the right way. Well, I'm really interested too in some of the keys to developing this collaboration. I think one of one of the keys is understanding what people need, right? And so understand there's various stakeholders here. You've got the fishers, the fishermen themselves. You have your camera operator. You know, how do you get that crew, that production crew? How do you get the support from maybe these ports or, you know, the the people who are you know, have these boats. I don't know this industry, so I'm saying it all wrong, of course. But what are some of the keys that you have found successful to bringing together all these different stakeholders to collaborate for one goal? Wow. It it really just goes back to what I just said, is that if you get everybody bought into the idea that we're building a legacy championship for the next generation, yeah, I walk into rooms and I say, Let's just take 30,000 foot view. You know, the golf, a recreational sport, has the PGA Tour. Yep. More people in the United States fish than play golf and tennis combined. And I always ask that surprises me. Yeah. Wouldn't have guessed that. Why why is there not a PGA Tour fishing? And that, you know, going back to like the beginning of this, it started with discovery and and discovery is really just asking a lot of people questions and trying to get to the bottom of an answer. You have, you have a business hypothesis out there and you're going to go try to prove your, your business hypothesis wrong. And so you go and talk with people or, you know, you want to validate it. I just really was asking that question for a long time. Why doesn't this exist? Hmm. And what I learned from a lot of the stakeholders in the industry and the sport was that it had been tried. It's been a long time since it's been tried. It's been tried a couple of times and my, my business hypothesis came back to one word and it was, it was access. I don't know. I could dive into all the, you know, the business nuances and, and stuff like that. But I had felt like, you know, the time is probably never more right to go do it than right now. And so, you know, about a year and a half ago, we, we said, let's just, let's just go do this. So yeah, uh, that's, that's where we are. Well, I would think too, another major, goal that you have to accomplish to get all these people to buy in is not only is this a goal that we all want to accomplish, but I and my team are the people to accomplish it, right? What is, you know, if I'm in that boardroom and I'm one of these stakeholders and you walk in and you're trying to convince me, what are you telling me? Why is Mark and Sport Fishing Championship the right group to make this happen? Yeah, you know it's funny because uh, you know the first six months or so after we after we kind of you know got through discovery and then rolled into the plan of basically the roll up model was what we 
um, decided to do was go work with the largest and oldest offshore fishing tournaments in North America, bring them together under one umbrella, excuse me. And uh, I mean, look, you gotta be, you have to have thick skin. You have to be prepared to hear no 999 times for every yes. Sure. Uh, and you have to be committed to it. There were, there were months that, I mean, every day sort of walked away from the project and, you know, I didn't. And as my team grew, we didn't because we wholeheartedly believe that this is something that could be around for a long time. Mm. If you go into it because you want to be rich or you want to go, you know, make a ton of money, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you could go do that, but it's not, in my opinion, that's not the way that we do it. You know, we go in, that, that's not what motivates me. And I can tell you from the people that are invested with us, that's not really what motivates them. Either. It's about going and building a legacy championship for our, for our sport. And uh, you've got to get by. And, and I'll tell you, the funny thing is, we talked a little bit about the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are a pretty polarizing organization on the field. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Love them or hate them. That's right. You know, in, in, in February of 2021, Imagine, you know, being a saltwater angler tournament director sitting on the beach, you know, at your, at your marina and Mark Nyfeld, you know, former Dallas Cowboy calls you and you're in New Jersey. <laughs> How many people, the first thing they said, I don't know if I can drop F-bombs on your podcast, but was the Dallas Cowboys. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it is what it is. You got to, you got to, but that's what I love about it. You know, I love, you know, it is, it is polarizing, but you're going to get a reaction one way or the other. <laughs> I don't think you're going to, well, thank goodness Philadelphia isn't on the ocean, you know? Well, Cape May, New Jersey is, and uh, (laughs) we're there a couple weeks, and we spend a lot of time in the Northeast. So, yeah. But, no, yeah, you you just, like, if you're committed to it, let's see. You there? Yeah. Can you hear me? But, yeah. If you're committed to it, and you just... You know, don't give up. I mean, you have to you have to believe in what you're building. You have to believe that there's a business behind it, and that, uh, that your inclination is right, or that your business model is going to work, and that uh, you're going to kind of refuse to take no for an answer, or you're going to find enough of the right people to say yes. Those are, the, the, I mean, that was what motivated me for about ten months. I was working on the project, you know, on my own. So that's incredible with about let's say let's say about 15 minutes here on the podcast time flies of course i want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about the innovation and the forward thinking ideas that you have for sport fishing championship because i love how you are taking this this sport that's probably as old as time itself you know going out into the ocean and catching fish but also modernizing it and making it relevant to younger audiences as well yeah, I've spent so much time talking about NFTs and the metaverse, and even this afternoon we had we had a licensing uh, conversation. And you know, look, I think that like any sport, whether it's fishing or basketball or hockey or football, you have to have a vision for you know where where the consumer is going, and you can either choose to adapt and be on on that train and, and that uh, that shift in how a consumer is day to day, or in some ways be left behind. I'm, we're actually the first. Pro Sports Championship awarding our grand prize in cryptocurrency. Wow. Um, We announced that in February at the Miami International Boat Show. So our million dollars is going to be awarded in crypto. Awesome. um, The equivalent of of $1 million. So we just kind of take that that approach that like, you know, we have to be on the front end uh, of all of these things. We have to, you know, adapt and, and, and live with the times or 
some ways be left behind. So I do joke about the metaverse sometimes. Uh, you know, I say, hey, you know, if the if the world is seventy five percent salt water, the metaverse has to be seventy five percent salt water as well. Strong so point. Great, Strong yeah, point. Play the metaverse. So that's so funny. What I you know I I think with as far as the crypto salary, I think that's really interesting because that's kind of we're seeing some trends go that way. Odell Beckham Jr. took his salary from the the Rams, I believe, solely in crypto. We've seen some things go that way. I think FaZe Clan recently did a big contest with a, a cryptocurrency and you know the prize was in their currency. What was behind the decision and what has been the response to something that's a little disruptive in that way? Yeah, honestly, the competitors loved it. A lot of our boat owners, you, you know, have to understand our competitor is very different. Going back to the analogy between different games, our consumer is almost identical to golfs. Saltwater angler and, and, a, and a golfer, they're almost identical with the exception that there's no crossover. Um, so these are people that are early adapters, whether that be with products, they invest a lot. You know, I, I would say our average boat on tour probably costs north of a million bucks. Yeah. Um, it's probably closer to two. And then you add in all the gear and rigs and stuff like that, plus all the work, you know, that has to be done to keep the boat up and running all year. I mean, it's definitely, if you've ever been to our tournaments, it's definitely a Formula One type atmosphere. Yeah. A lot of money goes into, into the sport. And so the day before we announced it, me and my executive leadership team, we were kind of looking around saying, you know, should we do this or should we not? And I said, what's the harm? You know, it's a million bucks either way. I mean, they can go and cash it out um, for cash. And uh, honestly, the response was was better than we thought. I mean, even, yeah, everybody, they loved it. I mean, they just love, you know, the little nuances. And for us, it gave, you know, people another reason to talk about sport fishing championship. And True. again, wants to set the tone with who we are and that we're going to look at everything that we do a little bit, I don't say a little bit differently. We're just going to analyze it and make the best decision for, you know, sport fishing championship. I think that's smart. And I'll just go on the record personally that, if someone's trying to give me a million dollars, I'm pretty flexible in how I'll receive it. So <laughs> exactly, don't You're limit yourself. As we're about to close off here with you, Mark, first of all, thank you so much for being here. But I could talk for you to you forever. You've got this events experience. You've got this entrepreneurial experience, obviously disrupting an industry. It's all very exciting and interesting. If you wanted somebody to come away from this episode with one thing with with what you've learned through this career, what would that be? You've got two guys on this podcast, you know, John, you and myself have known each other now for a number of years. And I remember when you made your entrepreneurial leap a number of years back, I, I remember where I was. We were walking in the, I was walking in the backyard and I was on the phone with you and you're saying, Mark, I think I'm going to go do this. And, and I was one of those guys say, John, you need to go do it. I can tell in your voice. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be easy. Go be an entrepreneur. And, you know, we've stayed in touch ever since. And, um, you know, it, if anything, it, the one thing to take away, just just work hard, have fun, enjoy your life. I mean, you know, that, that's all I would say. I mean, I, I, I do what I do because I genuinely enjoy and love the atmosphere that I'm in. I love challenging myself creatively and challenging myself in business. And I love to travel. So, you know, that's something that I get to do, sport fishing championship, but... You know, to sum it all up is just do what makes you happy. Enjoy it. If you're going to go off and start a venture, do it at 200% and be dedicated to it and everything will work out. 
I love that. A lot of times in our work, we can forget to do what we enjoy and we often spend most of our time working. So make it as enjoyable for yourself as possible is what I'm hearing from you. Lastly, how can people follow you? How can they follow Sport Fishing Championship in the way you'd like them to? Yeah, I am on Instagram, Twitter, SFC Fish Commish. And I'm at Marky Neifeld, sportfishingchampionship.com. You can catch all the episodes of Sport Fishing Championship, CBS Sports. We're on CBS Sports Network Saturdays, most of the time between 9 and 11 or 8 and 10. We get some rear rears and stuff like that. But sportfishingchampionship.com. Go check us out. All of our handles are at sportfishingchampionship. And really hope to hopefully earn some new fans from this podcast. And if anything, we've opened your eyes to, to a different sport. You've learned a thing or two. Absolutely. Well, you've learned at, you've earned at least one today. And that's not me. I've been a fan for a long time. That's our sound guy in the back. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here, Mark. I learned a lot. We're so excited to watch what Sport Fishing Championship becomes as you continue to grow it, continue to disrupt this incredible industry. But for now, thank you so much for joining us today on the DLC Drop Podcast. Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop Podcast. This podcast is part of the Esports Future Eye Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review.